Look, I get it. No one likes to hear the word no. Or maybe you feel as if you're not extroverted enough. No matter how you feel about it, whether you're an entrepreneur or in the workforce, you are in sales, plain and simple. But contrary to popular belief, you don't have to be that take no for an answer person in order to close the deal. Because just as it states in the Hindu text, the Bhagavad Gita, there are many paths to the same goal. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is The Startup Life. Let's begin. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Hey, Startup Nation. Do you enjoy the startup life? Now you can let the world know with gear from the show. Choose from the label yourself, make your own luck, and making money t-shirts to tell your story of your path of entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation, so I hope you're ready to receive some value today. Based on that opening monologue, you can tell that we're going to talk about sales today. I know, I know, I get it. It, it makes you feel all weird inside and you don't want to talk to people and this that, and the other, but I'm gonna see if I can help demystify the process for you. So in the first segment, we're gonna talk about a few of the myths that comes with selling. Like I said, in the opening monologue, one of those is like you have to be that, you know, don't take no for an answer person. So we're gonna kind of talk about that a little bit in the first segment. Next, we'll move on uh, some of the fears that you have about selling and see if we can kind of conquer those a little bit. I think we can kind of really make some uh, great headway in that regard. In the third segment, we'll talk about building rapport. A lot of times in the sales game, that's the part that that goes missing, trying to build the rapport, especially here in America. We forget that building a rapport, building a relationship is what really closes a sale. So we're going to talk about that. Then we'll go to break. Then we'll come back and we'll talk about the difference between uh, features, benefits, and results. You definitely don't want to miss that part. And in the last segment, Startup Nation, because you know I love to give you actual uh, actual things to use in order to be successful, we're going to actually go step by step from the opening hello to the follow-up call on how a sales process should look for you. And Startup Nation, in today's episode, you're going to hear me talk about two different distinct scenarios. And my business you know, professors are probably going to kill me because I'm pretty sure there's a technical business term, but for the life of me, it's leaving me right now, so forgive me. So what I'm going to call it is the short sales scenario and the long sales scenario. The difference between the two is the short sales scenario is like if you worked at like a Foot Locker or at a uh, Victoria's Secret, if you will, right? And, you know, you have rapid customers coming, this, that, and the other. And so you really have to make a really good uh, first impression very quickly, right? As opposed to the long uh, term sales uh, scenario where there's like if you're a, a car salesman or if you're uh, a mortgage broker or if, you know, something like that where it, it takes a little bit of time, the process takes a little bit of time to where you have to, you know, you have more time to build a rapport, but at the same time, you have more time to kind of lose that rapport as well, Startup Nation. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about those two different types of scenarios, okay? So I hope you're ready to receive great value today, and let's take flight. As you delve into your, you know, life of sales, Startup Nation, 
uh, you may hear from experienced salespeople that uh, buyers are liars, right? Like they don't want to tell you the truth, this, that, and the other. And that's not entirely true. Now, granted, some people do mislead and some people do outright lie, but I don't think every single person who's looking to buy something lies about the situation where, uh, and some of the common lies you may hear is, oh, I have to talk to my wife or husband about it, or uh, I'm, you know, I need, you know, I don't have enough money, or whatever the case may be. A lot of times, Startup Nation, it's not that they want to intentionally lie. A lot of times, it's really on that seller has not taken the time to get to know that person, get to earn that person's trust. Okay, I mean, think about it. Like, you know, would you loan somebody five dollars if you didn't trust them? Would you loan somebody a possession of yours? If you didn't trust them. So why would somebody buy from you if they didn't trust you? So I think a lot of times uh, when experienced salespeople say this, they have this misconceived notion or this preconceived notion that all consumers, you know, are not very truthful. And that's just simply not true. Like I said, some are, some can be a bit misleading from time to time. But the fact that they're all of them are liars, that's just simply not true. I think it's one of those things where we have to earn the customer's trust. We have to earn that sale. Because the thing is, like when you come across a new uh, consumer or a new uh, potential customer, if you will, in your business or in your nine to five, it's like having this wall up and it's your job to take pieces of that wall away from you because there's the barrier there, right? So your job is to break down that barrier between you and that customer, okay? So, you know, like I said, buyers are not liars. That's just simply not true. Another thing, Startup Nation, that's a myth in the sales game is that anybody can be persuaded to buy. Look, I will tell you that everybody has a currency that, you know, that they're willing to, you know, exchange with this, that, and the other. It may be, you know, different benefits that we'll talk about later on, like save money, save time, peace of mind, with this, that, and the other, right? But everybody really can't be persuaded to buy. You know, at the very least, they can't be persuaded to buy at that very moment. Like eventually you may be able to persuade them to not buy then, but like maybe later on. But not everybody can be persuaded to buy at that very moment because sometimes you can just come off as pushy. OK, now and, and I think that's why a lot of people who are in sales get kind of squeamish about sales because they don't want to come off as pushy. And I get it. I really do. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, you know, uh, further down the road in the episode of Startup Nation. But the th is that not everybody can be persuaded to buy. A lot of times people need certain dominoes to fall in their life in order to be put in a position to buy something. And that's OK. If you're just trying to like just constantly push and push and push, that really can turn off your consumer or your potential customer, if you will. Right. Because just because they don't buy right now doesn't mean they won't come back and buy later on so you definitely want to give them the best customer service that goes without saying but you definitely want to inform and educate the customer as much as humanly possible because they're you know you're you're giving them power to be informed you're giving them power to make an educated guess and that's another thing startup nation the consumer is very smart probably smarter than they are now than they have ever been in history. When you have social media and you have the internet and you have Google and all these things at the palm of your hands, the customer can educate themselves at the snap of a finger. So if you say something right there on the spot that's simply not true, they can literally fact check you on the spot. So, you know, remember that when you try the next time you feel like you need to be pushy or an experienced salesperson said you need to be pushy, Honestly, I just don't think that's true. I just don't think that's true. Like I said, uh, everybody can be persuaded to buy, but not everybody can be persuaded to buy at that very moment. And I get, you know, how 
sometimes like persistence is key. But the thing is, like, you know, let's say if you're in the short selling scenario, right? Like you're in the Victoria's Secret or Foot Locker or whatever, right? If you just keep saying, want to buy, want to buy, want to buy, want to buy, guess what? You're wasting time on the, uh, you know, on that person who has clearly said they're not going to buy other customers that be maybe ready to buy right now. So you're going to throw all your eggs on this one, you know, in this one basket and you could be missing out on potential sales on the sales floor. Okay, so keep that in mind, Startup Nation. Not everybody can be persuaded to buy at that moment, but they can probably be persuaded to buy at a later date. And you can probably uh, have put yourself in a better situation with that consumer if you go ahead and concede the sale now for a longer term relationship later, a longer term sale, even, you know, a high dollar sale later on down the road. Another thing you may hear in sales, Startup Nation, is that uh, if a customer doesn't buy right there at the moment, that price was the ultimate decision as to why they didn't want to buy. And that's not always true. Now, granted, there are times where the price may be a little bit too high or could be a little bit too cheap as well, because that's the thing, right? Sometimes if you price something too low, speaking to the entrepreneur in this scenario, if you price something too low, they're going to be like, well, this is cheap and tawdry. I don't want that. It, it must be shit. So why even bother? So not all the time, you know, price is the determining factor. Most of the time, you know, when we talk about, you know, price being a determining factor and people say, well, it's a little bit too high. Is it too high or as the salesperson, did you not adequately express the value that you're getting for the dollar amount? Let me explain. So let's say something costs $10, okay? And the customer says $10 for, you know, this widget or whatever. Let's say it's a widget. $10 for this widget. Oh, you know what? A bottle of water. Okay, $10 for a bottle of water seems excessive, right? So you say, hey, the bottle, no, a bottle of water is $10. And the person says, no, that's a little bit too much. I don't think I'm going to buy, right? The thing is, it's up to the seller to make sure that the customer understands the value of the $10 purchase, okay? For example, let's say the, the bottle of water has electrolytes in it or whatever the case may be or it may have certain additives that helps boost performance in a sports arena or something like that right or it maybe it's a social entrepreneurship situation where this bottled water not only you know gives you you know uh, a refreshing taste of water that comes from the himalayas or whatever the case may be you know how they sell bottled water salvation but at the same time, it may be a social entrepreneur aspect where for every bottle of water that you buy at $10, $3 goes to a, a, a remote desert or a remote village or something that has hard access to get water. See, now you're adding a little bit of value to that bottle of water, right? Or like I said earlier, if you, there's like certain other additives to the bottle of water that makes you increase performance or is the most refreshing water you ever taste or is very smooth, whatever the case may be. Now you're adding value to the dollar amount. And so when you have that $10 price point, you can start to say, hey, true, this bottle of water is $10 and you may be able to go get your, you know, your other bottle of water at let's say $2 or whatever, but is that bottle of water going to taste as refreshing as this one? Does that bottle of water have social, you know, social aspect to it that, you know, makes you feel good about yourself? Because not only are you refreshing yourself, you're providing water access to somebody who normally doesn't have a great water source to them. Now you're starting to add value startup nation because in selling, don't look at it as you are selling a product. Look at it as you're helping the consumer 
improve their life in whatever shape, form, or fashion that is. So uh, just to kind of reiterate, like I said, price is not always the necessary reason why people don't buy from you, okay? Just take it upon yourself to make sure that whatever the price point it is, $10, $15, $20, $10,000, whatever the case may be, make sure you have the proper value for that price point. Another myth that kind of comes across with selling style donation is the fact that one sales technique works for everybody, okay? One of the biggest ones I hear is that if you give a person a discount, that it's going to work on everybody, okay? And I can tell you that that's also not true. For example, just because you give somebody a discount doesn't necessarily mean that the product is great or that that's going to make them buy that product, okay? They just may feel like, well, hell, if you offer me a discount, something must be wrong with it, right? You know, so especially if you give the discount away too soon, right? But anyway... But there is no one-size-fits-all scenario in the sales game, right? I don't care if it's the short version or the long scenario version, right? There is no one-size-fits-all. Some people want to be sold on price. That's true. Some people may want to be sold on value. Some people may want to be sold on customer service. It's up to you when building the report, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. It's up to you when you build that report to kind of read the room, if you will, to kind of see what works, what doesn't work. And so when you find out what works, you know, whether it be uh, providing the proper value, great customer service, price point, wherever the case may be, once you find that part, find that, you know, that, that, uh, that target point, target that. Okay, you know, so if the person really, you know, loves customer service, go after the customer service part, like really not lay it on thick, because like I said in the previous episode, you don't want to patronize your consumer base, but you want to really hit home on the customer service, just really dole out the red carpet or value is a key point for them is a target point for them really play on the value of your product or your service. Okay, so but this whole notion that it's a one size fits all uh, scenario and selling, that's simply not true. Startup Nation, another thing that, you know, that tends to be, you know, that needs to be kind of debunked, if you will, is that it's important to close the deal as fast as possible. Look, even in the, you know, I, I you know, even in the short version of selling or the short version scenario of selling, that's simply not true. Okay. Because if you just come in, hey, you want to buy some shoes, ready to buy, like, you know, the customer is going to be really put off. Okay. Once again, you need to build that rapport, build that relationship, if you will. Right. Because if you're just trying to shoo somebody out the door, you know, that's a bad look for you, you know, for your product, for your process, for your sales acumen, the whole nine yards. Okay. So understand that, like, even in the short form of selling, you need to build a rapport. Now, granted, I know in the back of your head, you know you got to get them in and out if you're if you're at the Foot Locker or the Victoria's Secret model, right? But even then, you know, it needs to be done in a very delicate way. It's a very delicate dance when doing that building rapport part. You True enough, you're trying to, you know, get them out of the door as fast as possible so you can get to other customers. But at the same time, you don't want your customer to feel that way, okay? And, you know, like in the long version, you would ask like a whole bunch of fact-finding questions. But in the short term, you may have one or two fact-finding questions to kind of help build that rapport, help build that honesty. For example, like, hey, what brings you in today? You know, or one of those things where it's like, hey, uh, you know, are you looking to do some running? Look like some nice weather for running if you're in the Foot Locker game or if you're in the Foot Locker uh, business or, or shoes business or something along those lines, right? But that's kind of an idea to kind of have like one or two 
package questions or whatever to kind of help build the rapport. So you're not trying to, you know, you're trying to close the deal quite quick, kind of quick, but not necessarily you don't want the customer to feel that way at all. Another thing uh, you may hear from experienced salespeople, Startup Nation, is that you got to close the deal at any price. And that simply ain't true. Because the thing is, is like, if, you know, you have to be mindful of margin, Startup Nation, especially if you're the entrepreneur. If, if you're, you know, in the nine to five space and you're, you know, selling something that your company is asking you to sell, then, you know, you know, they may not like that as much either because they have margins that they have to upkeep as well. But you definitely don't want to dish out that discount too quickly if you know this discounts are one of those things where it needs to come later in the game right later in the you know in the sales process you know now i get it if you have a sales quota or something you're trying to meet or whatever the case may be i get it that you're trying to use certain discounts or credits that you're trying to give to the customer in order to help your sales game but you don't want to close the deal at any price uh, too often because the thing is you have margins to keep whole and you know and also not just the margins you need to be mindful of let's say you give that customer a discount now right you know you know hey my name is uh such a sudden such i came to look in for this and you give that customer you know a discount too quickly okay what do you think that customer is going to think the next time they come into your store the next time they want to come do business with you granted they will come to you first but why would they come to you first? Because they're going to look for that discount again, right? So that's another reason why you don't want to close the deal at any price because you got margins to protect. You you got a company to build, Startup Nation, if you're the entrepreneur or if you're in the nine to five space, you got a sales acumen that you're trying to build. You got numbers that you're trying to meet, right? So don't, don't just give your stuff away, especially if you're the entrepreneur, you built that, you created it. Why would you just give it away for free? Now, granted, I will say that like, Let's say if it's uh, a celebrity that you're trying to sell to or somebody who is very influential in some space that you're trying to get into. Right. You may want to cut them a deal so that way they can be the mouthpiece for, you know, your product, your service and the other. You know, that's that may be a time where you may want to roll that discount out a little bit quickly or whatever the case may be. But if it's your everyday John Smith customer, you don't want to you don't want to dish out that discount too quickly. Let's let's not do that. You got margins to protect and you got a company to build. So remember that. And lastly, you know, to do whatever it takes to get the sale. Don't. Oh, my God. Don't do that. Don't don't do that. that. That's a bad look. That's a bad look, because the thing is, it's like. A lot of times when we do whatever it takes or try to go over the top, we, we, we be an extra startup nation. We don't want to do that because the thing is, sometimes you get sloppy and you get you know a bit careless and, and you may give up more value than you should have given. OK, so it's one of those things where, you know, if you're willing to give a little bit from time to time, that's fine. But you don't want to, like, throw in the whole entire package every single time, startup nation. OK, you don't want to do that. And on top of that, you know, I, I if you remember from a previous episode, I used to work at Wells Fargo. And if you know anything about Wells Fargo recently, you know, about opening accounts without people's, you know, permission and this and the other. I get that, you know, jobs and your business have sales quotas that you want to meet. And I get it. I tr truly I get it. But at the same time, you don't want to get it to the point where you're doing your customer and your business a disservice. To where you're being manipulative, you're being aggressive, and you know all your customer service is going out the window, and you're just trying to make a sale because no consumer wants to feel like they're just some cog. They want to feel special. They want to feel 
like, you know, that they mean something. Okay. And so a customer can kind of tell you're just doing whatever it takes to get the sale. And they don't, they don't like that. Okay. Cause not only will they not come back to you, we live in a digital age, people, so they're going to write a real nasty, real nasty Yelp review on you. And that's the last thing you need, not only as a salesperson, if you're in a nine to five, but you definitely don't want a bad Yelp review when you're starting a company. So let's talk about a few of the fears that comes with, you know, making sales, doing sales, being in the sales game, having a sales position, whatever the case may be, especially when you're an entrepreneur. The first thing that we, we often hear is that you will make a negative first impression. That's up to you. I mean, the thing is, is like, first of all, if you're being genuine, okay, and you're being open and honest and transparent, it's really hard to make a negative impression. Now, I get it. You get nervous. You fumble over your words and you're trying to remember all the products and features, you know, that you're trying to offer. I get that. But believe it or not, Startup Nation, unless the consumer themselves is an asshole and you'll come across assholes, I'm just sorry. That's just the world we live in. But unless the consumer is a complete asshole, a lot of times they can tell if you're being genuine, open and honest. So if they know that you're being open and honest and transparent, they won't knock you for that. They can kind of tell that you're genuinely trying to help. Maybe you're new. Maybe you're just, you know, fearful of sales and this that, and the other, which we're going to try to help you with today, Startup Nation. That's the whole point of this show. But they can kind of tell, like, look, man, he's trying his best. He ain't, he, he's not, you know, or she's trying his best. They're not trying to get over on me. They, you know, they just, they just uncomfortable in this position and that's okay. And believe it or not, Startup Nation, and this is one of the realest things you'll hear me say in this episode about sales. And it works the same for public speaking. It works the same for networking, which will be our next episode. Spoiler alert. Um, but when making the first impression, I get it that it's really important. But honestly, you really just have to get through that, those first few awkward bits of the conversation, of the relationship building part, right? If you can get past that one to two minutes of you know feeling awkward, the rest of it is a breeze because after a while, you'll start to feel that groove, okay? So yes, you, you say, hello, Mr. Customer, what can I do for you today? And you're like, yeah, you know, uh, uh, this feature, blah, blah, blah. And you fumble over the words and I get it. You know, they'll start like kind of where you are, you know, where you at right now. Right. You know, like what, you know, what is he talking about? But at the same time, after a while, they'll start to see like, okay, you know, okay, now I'm starting to get it. You'll hit this groove. Basically is what I'm saying. Started, man. I know it went a roundabout way. I tend to do that. I'm sorry. But, uh, you start to hit this groove in the conversation to where you're starting to you know, really flow out the words a little bit better because you're, you're calm and your nerves are starting to come down and they're starting to be a little bit more receptive and they're nodding their head and they're smiling or whatever. And then you start to hit that groove. So like I said, be open and honest and transparent in the front end, even if you're fumbling over the words, even if you're nervous, even if you're scared, I get it. But after a while, you start to hit a groove because you're in your element, you're in your space. You you know what you're trying to say. You know the content, right? You know, and that, and that we're going to talk a little bit about that, you know, more because, you know, doing your work on the front end before you become in front of the customer will go a long way to dispelling the fear that you feel. Okay. But, you know, be open, be honest, be transparent, and honestly, once you get past that first couple of moments, you'll really hit a nice groove and the rest is smooth sailing. Another thing that we fear when it comes to sales is, let's be honest, we don't like the word no. We don't like the word, you know, that we're getting rejected. We don't like the fact that somebody's like, nah, I think I'm good, chief. I get it. 
I get it. But the thing is, is that you need to hear the word no. No is an acronym. It stands for either new opportunity or next opportunity, however you want to take it. There's actually a book that says that, you know, no means next opportunity. Once you hear no, that's where the growing starts. So why do I say that? It starts with when they say no. There's clearly something that you didn't provide to them that made them feel comfortable with closing the deal. Did we offer enough value? Was our customer service on point? You know, did they not understand the features of the product or service that we were offering them? So honestly, it's like, you know, playing, you know, a professional sport. You take a, a, a real nasty L, you go back and you watch film. So when you hear the no and the rejection, play the conversation back in your head and juxtapose it to how the sale is supposed to go in like an ideal world. How, you know, from opening from beginning to end, how is the sale supposed to look? Play that, you know, back in your head and understand to where I could have did this a little differently. I could have did that a little differently, okay? I get you don't want to hear the word no and you don't want to feel rejected, but honestly, it's really an opportunity to get that next deal closed. Another thing is that, you know, we hear a lot, you know, that a fear of selling is that you want to come off as pushy. Look, I get it because a lot of times we have used car salesmen and, and snake oil salesmen uh, you know, as they say in the West, old American West or whatever, you know, hear acronyms like always be closing and I get it. Right. And honestly, in America, we have this thing where we have to always, you know, push for the close, push for the sale. Right. You know, and honestly, we really should take the more Asian Japanese approach to selling to where we really focus on a large portion on getting to know the person, building a rapport, this, that, and the other. Right. But to help you dispel that myth startup nation, don't think of yourself as a salesperson. Think of yourself as a person who's trying to help a consumer with, you know, an issue that they're having. Okay, you're 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 the bridge to fill in the gap of a situation that they're not having, you know, a need being met or that they need something improved or whatever the case may be. So don't think of yourself as pushy. Think of yourself as trying to help that person. Because, look, once again, unless you're a complete asshole, everybody loves to help people. Everybody wants to feel like they had a hand in somebody else's success. Even if their success is small, even if their success is minute, even if their success is temporary, everybody gets a great feeling from that. So when you're selling, put yourself in the mindset that you're not selling something. You're helping them. You're helping them you know, save money, save time, have convenience or whatever the case may be. And those are some of the benefit words and phrases that we talk about. And we'll, you know, we'll get to that a little bit later. But think about that notion. You're not being pushy. You're helping them. Another thing that happens when we have like these sales jobs, or whatever the case may be, and the, the fear creeps in is that you won't be able to close the deal. You won't be able to deliver and a lot of that anxiety really comes from this, you know, the last thing I just mentioned, being pushy or these very high marks and quotas that people have on themselves, right? Now, if you're the not if you're the entrepreneur, okay, I get it, you're trying to scale, scale, scale fast, fast, fast. I get that. But at the same time, you need to be reasonable, okay? If you have a restaurant and you just opened on, you know, week 1 of January 2018, right? And there's not a line out the door, don't beat yourself up. It's okay. You're new. Okay. You Nobody hardly knows you. Or if you just started a podcast, you're trying to start a podcast yourself and you're not getting a whole bunch of, you know, feedback and listens and downloads. It's okay. You just started. 
Your audience hasn't found you. Your consumer base haven't found you yet. And that's okay because that type of stuff takes time. Like I mentioned in, you know, brand uh, business versus brand, nobody knows you yet. You got, it takes time to build that brand. It takes time to build a business. It takes time for people to get to know you. And that's the thing. Once they get to know you, they're still going to take a little bit more time because they got to like, you know, well, let me go back. At first, they have to know of you. They have to know you exist. All right. That's the that's the big part of it. Let people give people the time to know that you exist. Keep pushing, pushing out there on social media. Keep pushing out there on your blog and your email list and this that, and the other. Right. They gotta get time to know you exist. Once they know you exist, then they have to get time to get to know you. OK, so that's another barrier you have to get over. Right. So when we talk about, you know, sales and not having this feeling of don't you know, that you can't deliver, don't beat yourself up. If you're, you know, if you're not the entrepreneur and you're, you know, in the nine to five, even still, look, I know that that paycheck depends on you hitting certain quotas and this and the other, right? And so the thing is, what you want to focus on is the brand that the, you know, that the company has built for you. Play on that, play on that because, you know, you're usually brand, you know, brand red, this and the other. And that part that part is really up to your boss. That's your boss's responsibility, not really yours. I mean, it's kind of yours a little bit, but it's really your boss's responsibility to understand that, you know, the brand and this, that, and the other, right? Or the owners of the company or the big wigs at your company, right? But I get that you feel like you won't deliver, but it's okay. It takes time. Selling is really one of those things where it's a it's a dance, okay? And you have a partner, which is your potential customer, Right. And just like when you first, you know, started dating or whatever the case may be, there were some awkward moments, right? Because you, you're trying to get to know her. She's trying to get to know you or, you know, we're a progressive show. So you're trying to get to know him. He's trying to get to know you or her. She's trying to get to you know her. You get what I'm saying, Star Nation. But anyway, uh, I guess I'm just trying to be very inclusive here. But what I'm saying is that, you know, it takes time to build that, that rapport, that relationship, that balance, if you will, right? So don't beat yourself up if you feel like you're not closing 100 deals the first day. Like, that's ridiculous. That's just utterly ridiculous. Take that pressure off of you. Take the pressure off, okay? Rome wasn't built in a day, and McDonald's didn't sell 1,000 hamburgers the first day. They just didn't. I don't know if anybody tell you that, they're lying to you. If any experienced salesperson told you, I closed uh, uh you know, three deals today. You know, if it, like if you sell houses, right? I closed three deals my first day. If they did, either they're either lying or it's beginner's luck. Okay, so if you feel like you have that fear of not being able to deliver, it's okay. Take the pressure off. Keep working on it. Keep grinding. Keep you know working on your sales approach because eventually it's going to come naturally to you and it's going to be like a well-oiled machine. And I'm not saying you're going to be able to sell every single person. But once you keep building that confidence, it's going to get to a point where you feel like you can sell every single person. Another thing that we have a fear of when it comes to sales is that you have this fear that you're not doing it right. OK, and it kind of goes back to, you know, past two points I was just saying. It really comes down to practice and keep getting back on that bike and keep falling off that bike because, you know, and, and there are things you can do in order to help you get, you know, you know, back on that horse faster. There are things you can do in order to make that sales part, you know, 
a little bit better for you. For starters, you can listen to this episode. Like that that's one thing, right? But what I'm saying is about not necessarily to increase my download numbers, but what I'm saying is that professional development is one of those things that you can work on in order to improve your sales acumen, whether it be listen to the startup life, listen to a YouTube video, watch a YouTube video, take courses on selling. Okay, there's plenty of them out there. You can listen to your Grant Cardone's or your your Gary Vaynerchuk's, right? They talk about this stuff all the time, right? There's even certain movies that you can watch, you know, that even kind of spears, sparks the brain of how you can sell different things. My point is that eventually you're going to get it. Okay, you just got to keep pushing. You got to keep trying. You got to see what works for this person, what works for that person. And the crazy thing is, is that when you're in a specific space, whether you're the entrepreneur or you're working in uh, in sales in your nine to five, eventually the type, you know, whatever your space is, your sector, your industry, wherever the case may be, you're dealing with a particular type of customer anyway. And so all of them, for the most part, are going to be very similar. OK, so you can have this template for that particular customer. For example, if you're a real estate agent, mo- all of your customers are about buying a house. Okay, and so you have certain phrases that you can use that talks about home ownership and peace of mind and whatever the case may be. Right. If you're working at Victoria's Secret, right, you you, most of your audience is coming in to look for underwear, very, you know, very good bras and, and, and panties and undergarments and lingerie, whatever the case may be. Most of them are coming in looking for that. So you can kind of have this templated, you know, kind of sales pitch, if you will for that and so you know to have this thing that you're not doing it right i get it but over time you'll get it right and over time you'll start to understand what your customer looking for you'll really start to see your sales numbers start to go on an upward tick and lastly startup nation before we go to break we want to talk about one of the most important things about the sales uh game if you will and trying to build your sales acumen is building the rapport a lot of times experience and you know very new uh, salespeople forget this part. So let's talk about that a little bit. The first thing you want to do, like I said early, be genuine, be transparent, be honest. Okay. Because the thing is, is that your customer can tell if you're lying to them. They can, they can, or at the very least they can tell if you're just trying to push, you know, product out the door. Okay. And you, like I said, the object of the sales game is to push product out the door, but you don't want to come off as that. You want to become off as somebody who's being helpful, being open, being honest, and mostly informing the customer of something that they need. Okay. Be mindful of that. Be warm and friendly. Also, Stardomation, look, people buy stuff from people that they trust. So, you know, crack a joke if if, if the time calls for it. Uh, be sincere if the time calls for it. Okay. Be empathetic you know, if the time calls for it, because you really want that customer to feel, you know, that they can trust you. You want that customer to feel that they, that you really have their best interests at heart. Okay. So let's keep that in mind. Also show interest in the customer. Okay. One of the things that I would do when I was back in my banking days, now granted it is a sales tactic. So no, judge me however you want startup nation. But when I used to work in the drive through at the bank, right, and sometimes I would see uh, customers uh, come through the drive through this, that, and the other. And so if I saw a customer come drive, you know, in the drive through and I saw a baby seat that was empty in the back, clearly that person has a kid or is close to a kid to where they need a car seat in the back, wherever the case may be. Where's the little one today? 
And once again, when you ask that, give them a chance to answer. Okay, so that's showing that, you you know, you have interest in, you know, who they are, who they're about, their families, that and the other. And then I say, hey, have you thought about starting a minor savings account or have you thought about starting a college plan? It's never too early to start saving for college. And so that's one of those things where you're showing genuine interest in that customer. You're showing genuine interest in that person's life. And so when you show genuine interest in that person, you start to tear down that wall a little bit, you know, because when they come in, they have the barrier. But you start to tear down that wall of, you know, that person and, you know, and they really start to open up to you. So show interest in the person if you know and look for clues. Right. Look for clues. Like if you see them uh, like they have been working in the garden that day when they you know when they come to see you or whatever, you know, ask them about how the garden is going. Or if, if it, you have a scenario where they look like they're. Uh, really jazzed up and they're really nice looking like they're about to go out some asking you know so what's the occasion so show that genuine interest in the customer so that way we can kind of open them up a little bit so that way we can start to really sell them on your product or service or whatever the case may be also start animation don't seem too needy or as we say in my community don't be thirsty don't 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 try to you know, overwhelm them with like, you know, what can I do for you? You know, what do you need? 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 Don't don't do that start match because even that's annoying. Tr- trust me, as a as a young man, you know, who is awkward around girls growing up or whatever, and you and you do that, the girls won't come your way, man. They just won't. I ain't, I ain't gonna lie to you. They won't come your way because you come off as thirsty, you come off as needy, and so you just come off as kind of I ain't gonna say desperate, but at the very least, it, it's not a, it's not a good look. Whether it be girls or consumers, it's the same thing. It's not a good look. You just seem like annoying and you just seem kind of like, ugh. okay? So when you're dealing with your customer base and you're dealing with a potential customer, don't come off as needy, don't come off as thirsty, and it may help you uh, along that ride, you know, along the road of trying to build the rapport. You know, which leads me to my next point, give genuine compliments. Like, you know, I used in the scenario earlier like if somebody's dressed up or whatever like man you know some nice kicks you got on man you know or you know or if they got a nice suit on or like hey man where you heading looking sharp today brother you know or, or you know like i said just show you know give compliments or if it's a thing where you're selling different items and you know or you're trying to help the customer decide between product a and product b that you're selling and they choose product b let them know they made a great choice. Like, hey, man, that's an excellent choice, you know, because, you know, of point number one, because of point number two, because of point number three. Give them a few points to why you think they made an excellent choice or whatever. right? And that makes the, the customer not only feel uh, informed and powerful, but it makes them feel like this was a combined experience or this was a, a joint venture of making that great decision. Because the thing is, a lot of times when people... Uh, make certain decisions. They want to feel like that, you know, they want to have a confirmation that that decision was a good one. Okay. And so as the salesperson, it's your job to help them to feel that way. And so when you do that, not only do they feel great now, they're going to feel great when they come back because they're going to come back to you, Star Nation. If you make that person feel like they made a great choice and you help them make that informed decision, they're going to come right out like, hey, I need to see Dominic because, no, we got Jim, we got great. No, 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 no. I need to see Dominic. I only mess with Dominic. That's my guy. I only roll with Dominic because he he helps me make great decisions. I roll him with Dominic. But no, but Greg is an excellent. No, is Dominic here today? No, Dominic's not here today. Well, I'm gonna I'm come back for Dominic when he comes back. To, when next time? What's the, where's the schedule? When's the next time Dominic coming back? See, when you build that genuine rapport with your customer and you give them them type of compliments, that's the type of customer you're gonna get. They will they be willing to wait for you to 
come back to work if you're not there to buy with you. Because whether you're getting commission or not commission, they just know that, look, I need the I need this dude to get the credit because that, that's the only person I deal with. And that's the type of rapport and trust Startup Nation that you want to build with your customer. And lastly, Startup Nation, before we go into our break, uh, read the culture, read the room. Uh, one of the things that I love personally are Hindi films. I love films. I think Bollywood is just, you know, is one of the great you know, film industries on the planet. I feel like for a great film, if you want to uh, like, you know, nice CGI and, 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 you know, this and the other, Hollywood is your spot. But if you want a great story, especially a love story, Bollywood is the way to go. And so uh, a few times uh, when I was back in banking, I would, uh, you know, like have certain uh, customers uh, who, you know, originally from India, not necessarily born there, whatever the case may be, but they would come into the bank and I would ask them certain questions like, look, man, you know, I, first of all, may I ask, you know, are you from India? You know, and there's usually some phrases or certain type of demeanors that I would kind of, you know, pick up on, to, you know, so I would ask, you know, being respectful, of course. And then I would say, hey, you know, I was watching this film, uh, you know, and there's something I really didn't understand. Could you explain it for me? And he's like, hey, sure. What, you know, what what was going on? So I explained to him like, oh, this is that movie. Like, wait a minute, you watch these films? And so that's me, like not only showing interest, but also reading the culture. Because the thing is, customers buy from people they can relate to. But when you have a situation where you can feel like you, they would have never expected you to relate to them on a certain level, that just opens the floodgates of rapport. It just does. Okay. Now, granted, you it'll be very hard to replicate this type of scenario every single time. But if there's ever a way for you to to acknowledge something like that, go for it. Because the thing is, you're going to build a rapport in a customer that is going to be mind boggling. You're going to have that, you know, that type of customer where they'll be like, hey, I'm waiting for Dominic when he comes back to work. So if you can read the culture and try to acquiesce to your customer base in, in a scenario, do that. Like I said, it'd be hard to replicate it every single time, but it's one of those things where if you can do that, it can be a very big asset to you, your sales game, and your company, or your job if you got the nine to five. So we're going to take a quick break. I know this segment went kind of long, Startup Nation, but selling is a big thing in our nine to five and in our business. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson, and you're listening to The Startup Life. teacher looking for great resources look no further than our teaching with our section of our website 
Enjoy great lessons such as our mini lesson for the story of an hour or dive into the Nixon presidency as part of our legacy series. Enjoy great peace of mind from our units as they are Common Core line. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation, so let's continue. So just to kind of recap to kind of how we got to this point, we talked about some of the myths that come with selling, and hopefully we was able to kind of debunk or demystify them, if you will. And we also talked about some of the fears that come with selling, and hopefully we kind of uh, got to a place where we overcome that. And we also talked about right before the break, build net report, because people buy from people they can relate to, not necessarily the product or service every single time. So with that being said, when we talk about building a rapport, once we've built a very strong rapport, we want to talk about features, benefits, and results. Knowing the difference between those three things is really how you convey to your potential customer or really build the bridge from getting your customer to understand what you're selling to actually understanding why they need it or what it means to them. And that's kind of where we're going to talk about in this segment. So let's go for it, Startup Nation. Now, one thing you need to know is that when it comes to features, benefits, and results, they really are three different things. And to give you a great example of what I'm talking about, we're going to go into the tech space, if you will. You know, whether it be like smartphones or computers or whatever the case may be. So the thing is, Startup Nation, a product's feature is basically the attributes of the product, okay? So when it comes to your target market or target audience for your product, you're only gonna sell to about maybe 10 to 20% of your target audience if you only focus on the features. What I mean by features, so let's go to the smartphone computer uh, example, if you will. So a feature of a smartphone or computer would be uh, X amount of megahertz or X amount of a hard drive space or a 4k resolution x amount of processing speed forgive me I'm, i am not a uh an employee of geek squad so if there's any tech people out there who are more savvy to what i'm you know talking about please forgive me i know i am butchering your language but you kind of get what i'm saying like so when you talk about that only about 10 to 20 percent of your potential target audience is going to understand what the hell any of that means when you talk about the features it really only speaks to the uh, attribute of your product or service, which leads me to something I really need to stress to you very strongly, Startup Nation. When you're dealing with your customer base, when you're dealing with the marketplace, if you will, whether it be selling or customer service, you do not, I repeat, you do not want to use jargon. Okay. What is jargon? If we go back to a previous episode of the startup life, we talked about the language of entrepreneurship to where if you're an entrepreneur, there's a certain language where, you know, words and phrases that you use that people who don't engage in entrepreneurship do not understand. It works the same way in your business as it relates to the customer. There are certain words and phrases that are kind of in-house, you know, that if you relay it out to the uh, customer base, they don't know what you're talking about. So when you use words like megahertz and this that, and the other, the average consumer, you know, who's looking for a computer to help send their kid to college or looking for a home computer, the average customer is not going to know what you're talking about. Okay. So keep that in mind when we're using, you know, our features and this that, and the other, when we're trying to sell, don't use jargon because you're going to, like I said, you're going to miss out on that. Now, don't get me wrong. You want to point out the megahertz and the 4K resolution is that and the other, right? But this should only be part of the selling arsenal when we're telling, selling to the consumer base. 
What you want to sell them is this next piece, benefits. You really want to sell them on the benefits or as we say in the sales game with them. What's in it for me? That's what you want to do when you're telling about selling your product or service. You want to put yourself in the shoes of the customer base. You want to put yourself in the shoes of the marketplace to get them to understand why your 4K resolution matters to them. Why the one terabyte of storage space matters to them okay so to kind of give you an idea of what i mean by benefits or features or whatever uh you want to use things called benefit statements if you will and they come in a plethora of ways but i want to give you a few to kind of give you an idea so some of the things that you may hear is that it saves you money or it saves you time or it gives you peace of mind or it's secure or it's prestigious or it's easy to use. For example, the feature of a computer could be one terabyte of space, which means there's a whole bunch of space you can use, right? The benefit of that is that it gives you peace of mind, which is another benefit statement. It gives you peace of mind that you can snap a whole lot of photos and not have to worry about space up until a certain point, of course. But at the very least, it tells you you can snap a, a lot of photos without worrying about taking up a lot of space. So when you're talking about selling your product or service, you want to use those benefit statements. You want to say that this is convenient for you. This saves you time. You know, this gives you peace of mind. Or, you know, if it's a situation where you're talking about, and I'm I'm sorry, Startup Nation, for those of you who have Androids, but I'm about, I'm about to go there. When you talk about, you know, and I and I understand you're probably going to come back at me about the whole, well, Apple slows down their, their iPhones. I get it, whatever the case may be. But what I am saying is that you can use the prestigious benefit when you talk about Android versus Apple. For example, if you're talking about, you know, uh, easy to use or very affordable, which are also benefit statements as well, then people tend to buy, purchase the Android. What, unless it's like the Samsung Galaxy or the higher end. For the most part, most Android phones are very affordable. But when you talk about you wanting to use the prestigious route, then you may say the Apple iPhone 6 or whatever does this, this, that, and the other. And honestly, you can sell people on prestige because, you know, people... Want to, you know, they we live in a world, especially here in America, where people want to keep up with the Joneses. Okay. So you can sell people on prestige when selling your product or service. And when we talk about only selling people on the feature, and you maybe only be able to use to reach 10 to 20% of your target audience, when you use the benefits and really use that acronym with them, what's in it for me, now you can start to kind of target you know, maybe 60 to 70, maybe even 80% of the marketplace, which is a huge jump because most people understand easy to use. You know, most people understand that it's ready to use out of the box. That's another one, easy to use. Let's say you have a computer and, you know, one of the features is it comes with the cable, which I know seems ridiculous, it's absurd, but it comes with the power cable or it comes with the uh, already the uh, operating system pre-installed. Right. So it's easy to use because the operating system is already there. And even if though you don't know what the hell an operating system is, you know that as soon as you take it out of the box, plug it into the wall, you can use it right then and there. There's no 
a large setup time. So these are some of the things that you want to be mindful of when you talk about features and benefits. Benefits gets them to start to, you know, listen a little bit more because that's a language they understand. They don't understand 4K resolution and gigahertz and megahertz and superhertz or whatever the case may be. Now, I know superhertz is not a word, but if you start saying or, you know, using those features, that's what your customer is going to hear. So keep that in mind. Now, we talked about features. We talked about benefits. Now we want to talk about the results. This is the end result. This is where you reach that 80, 90, 100% of the marketplace to go ahead and close that sale, close that deal or whatever, right? So let's give you a tangible idea of what that looks like. So the feature, benefit, and results, right? So the, benef the, the feature of the computer is that it has one terabyte of space. That's the feature. It's an attribute of the computer. The benefit is that it gives you peace of mind that it has a lot of storage space, okay? The result is, is that you can write X amount of papers, you can write take X amount of photos, and you download X amount of videos, movies, or whatever, and don't have to worry about up until a certain point that you know, you're gonna run out of space, okay? So you, know, you really want to focus on the benefit and the results because that's what sells the target audience. That, was, that is what sells you know, your customer base or potential customers. Don't be going and talking about superhertz and megahertz and gigahertz. You're going to lose them. You're going to lose them fast. Okay. Let me give you another example. So let's say with your phone, for instance, right? Let's say the feature is a self-setting clock to where, you know, it's already set. Uh, it changes automatically when daylight save time is or other. So that's the, that's the, you know, the feature of your smartphone. The benefit is that it saves you time trying to figure out how to set my phone, how to set the time on my phone, this, that, and the other, right? The result is I don't feel stupid trying to figure out how to set my time on my phone, okay? So, and that's another, you know, great attribute. Now, you don't want to say, so you won't feel stupid, this, that, and the other, right? Don't say that to the customer side of me. Don't use stupid in any regard because it can come off wrong. It's, 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 it's a very high high risk that the customer can take that completely the wrong way. But this is just another example of the feature, the benefit, and the result. Do you understand that most of your target audience is going to understand the benefit and the result? And lastly, Startup Nation, hopefully we've demystified, we've overcome you know, fear when it comes to selling. So we're ready to sell. But what does the sale look like? What does that process from start to finish look like? Let me see if I can give you the keys to the car right now, Startup Nation. So in the sales process, right? You know, and, and sales process, depending on who you talk to, they come in many different forms, right? But I want to give you a, a very thorough step-by-step -step process of what the sale should look like from pre-work to, you know, saying hello to the building report all the way to the end, okay? So some of the pre-work involves, number one, knowing your product or your service. Know all the features in and out. Practice what benefits and results may come from those products or services, okay? Because, you know, and for the entrepreneur, this should be very easy. This part, knowing your product should be very easy because you created the product or service and you should be very enthusiastic about your product and service, okay? So keep that in mind. Now, if you're in the nine to five, you know, and you're selling for somebody else, you know, you need to come off to the customer 
that you're enthusiastic, even if you're not really enthusiastic, but that's neither here nor there. You need to come off to the customer that you're enthusiastic for the product. And some of the ways to, you know, to show enthusiasm or to, you know, to, to you know, to have uh, product knowledge, if you will, is very simple. Use the damn product. If you're in the nine to five space and you sell, you know, like one of the things that we used to do or was actually a rule at Foot Locker is that when you came to work, you wore shoes that Foot Locker sold. You had at least one pair of shoes that Foot Locker sold. You couldn't wear shoes that was only exclusive to foot action, right, or only exclusive to finish line. You had to have at least one pair of shoes that you wore to work. Those were your work shoes that, you know, was sold at Foot Locker. So use the product, use your service. So that way you can give a very organic and very personal uh, story to how that product or service work. And your customer will be able to see that uh, that genuine uh, nature from you of how that product or service works for you. Okay. so the first step is part of the pre-work. Know your product or service like the back of your hand. Okay, like I said, should be easy for the entrepreneur. Probably take a little bit of work for the person who sells in a general nine to five. The next thing you want to do, Startup Nation, is to know your customer. We already know the product because we just talked about that. Now you want to know your customer. You want to match your products and services to the correct customer. It's like a puzzle piece, right? And so what does that mean? Well, for starters, depending on the industry, you have um, you have a particular type of customer and they're all looking for what you do. Now, if you're in the long version of selling uh, the product or service, then you have a little bit more time to kind of build that rapport, ask fact finding questions, wherever the case may be. Now, if you're in the short version where you know, you're working in retail and they come to you, you still have a general idea of what that looks like. For example, like I said earlier, if you come into Victoria's Secret, then you know they're looking for underwear, bras, lingerie, whatever the case may be. If they come into Foot Locker, you have a general idea that they're looking for, you know, shoes, shoestrings, hats, you know, athletic gear, whatever the case may be, right? So know your customer, know your target audience. You know, if you're the entrepreneur and you, you know, you you know, there are ways to get data, if you will, from you know your target audience. You know, you want to know things like age, sex. Uh, household income, family size, number of credit cards, if you can find that out, of course. But, you know, and you can get this from a website called Movoto.com. Let's say you're in a restaurant and you just open a restaurant in a particular area or space. All you have to do, go to Movoto.com, M-O-V-O-T-O.com. The website is there in the show notes for you. You type in the zip code and it should give you all the geographical data for that zip code. You know, like I said, age, sex, race, uh, you know, level of income, level of education, this, that, and the other. This is one of those things where, you know, you're gathering intelligence like you would, you know, like if you're the CIA or somebody, right? You're gathering intelligence in order to attack that marketplace, in order to understand what that marketplace is, what that marketplace looks like, and what that marketplace is looking for in a product or in a service, okay? So use data. I can't tell you, I can't stress this enough. If it works in sports and it works in, in Fortune 500 companies, it can work in a small business as well. And when you're building a company, you want every leg up. So use data. 
Use data, Startup Nation. Now, there are like, you know, psychographic data that you can gather as well. But if you're the small business owner, it will be a bit hard for you to kind of gather that data. You know, you know that where you can like, you know, uh, type in a zip code like this person tends to do this or this person tends to do that. Right. Like that's a little bit hard. But if you're able to uh, Startup Nation, try to, you know, as you get customers into your retail space, into your business or wherever the case may be, Start to jot down certain, uh, you know, motivations for people, you know, when they come in. For example, you know, what kind of car they drive and what kind of music they listen to seem to suggest what kind of, you know, you know, emotions to play on when trying to sell to the customer. For example, uh, the person who has a red sports car as opposed to the station wagon may be two different types of people, which means they have two different types of purchasing uh, you know, uh, parameters that they're looking for when making a purchase, when buying something. The person with convertible sports car, red convertible sports cars, whatever the case may be, may be a more free spirit, you know, hot and very affluent, if you will, type of person. But the station wagon person may be maybe family oriented, you know, and thinking about, you know, uh, value. Value may be something that you know, speaks to that person because, you know, they have a family to look after. So, you know, every purchase they make is critical and, you know, may be critical to the overall well-being of the family, the family unit, whatever the case may be, as opposed to the red convertible. You know, that person, you know, probably has you know, a little bit more affluent, a little bit more discretionary money to, you know, throw around and say this, you know, this, you know, uh, whatever the case may be. So, you know, like I said, this is for the small business owners. It's not something you can probably uh, type into a thing. You may have to actually do some work to try to get that to try to get that data. Right. And so, you know, maybe take a three month, six month, you know, sample size and kind of give you a great idea of what kind of psychographic data you can kind of gather uh, from your audience, from your target market, this, that, and the other. And also, Startup Nation, I meant to say this in a previous, you know, uh, scenario. Also, you know, change your point of view. You want to put your mind in the, you know, put your sales uh, tactic in the mindset of the customer. You know, remember with them, what's in it for me? Remind yourself that, you know, that you're selling to somebody who has certain cares, certain needs, certain wants, certain values in a will. So you want to be mindful of what's in it for me. Put yourself in the customer's shoes. What would matter to you? What would you think would matter to them? And like I said, if you're in a certain sector, you kind of already have that out. So make sure you use that data. All right. So you know your customer base, you know the product, you know. So that's step, you know, knowing your product is step one. Knowing the customer step two, so we already got that part though. And so those two aspects of the selling process is your pre-work before you even talk to a customer, before you even make your first phone call or whatever, right? Now we want to talk about the approach, okay? When you first make that phone call, write that email, or the person comes into your store, this, that, and the other. No, you want to lead with the general Hi, my name is, you know, Dominic Lawson. Welcome to Widgets and Things. What can we do for you today, right? Be open, be genuine, be warm, be kind, be honest. But most importantly, try to understand what that customer is looking for. Listen. That's the number one thing you can do, Startup Nation. You don't want to come off as, uh, you know, trying to be condescending. You don't want to come off as trying to be somebody 
who is the know-it-all. Even though you are the know-it-all because your product and your service, you know it like the back of your hand because you've done the pre-work and you know, and step one and you know your product, but you don't want to come off as the know-it-all. You don't want to come off as condescending Startup Nation. You want to be open and, and very approachable. Be mindful of being very approachable, okay? And so, you know, you know, we're building a rapport. We're not really getting into the product and service too much, but we're building a rapport, getting to know, getting to earn that trust. Now we want to try to ask some fact-finding questions. This is the next step, like a needs assessment, if you will, okay? You want to start asking fact-finding questions. You kind of did that when you said, you know, what brings you in today, this, that, and the other, but now you want to, you know, ask stuff like, you know, if you're selling shoes, like, you know, what kind of support are you looking for? Are you using this for running or cross-training or just leisure, whatever the case may be? This is your needs assessments approach. If you're in banking, you want to ask, you know, what are your financial goals? What are some, you know, some aspects of, you know, banking that you enjoy? What are some aspects of banking that you do not enjoy? Uh, one thing, you know, and I know I mentioned Wells Fargo earlier and the scandal, this and the other, but what I will say is Wells Fargo put you in a great position to make sales because they had this approach where it was very detailed and in line. And so that's what you kind of need to do, Startup Nation. You want to make sure that you understand what the customer wants or needs, right? And you're trying to make sure that your product and service, or you want to more importantly, sell your product and service to fill that need. Okay. For example, if you're selling a computer, you want to let the customer know, you know, who's looking for a brand new computer that is going to meet their needs. You're going to be able to write that paper. You know, you're going to be able to, you know, make uh, your new content, writing, write your blog, start your podcast, whatever the case may be. You want your sales pitch and your and your your approach to fill those needs. Okay. Then the next step, the presentation. Okay, so now that you've gathered this intel, you've gathered the needs of this and the other. Now you want to match the proper product or service with the needs. Okay, that's where the needs approach is. This is where we remember the features, benefits, and the results. Okay, four stars. If we're selling computers, has one terabyte of gig of space. That is. The feature it allows you peace of mind you know because you, you know there's a lot of storage space and the result you don't have to worry about deleting anything because your space is not going to fill up anytime soon feature tangible tells you you know an attribute of the product benefit tells that person with them what's in it for them the result the overall conclusion of why they should purchase this product and why this product or service makes their life easier or makes it you know something that they really, really want. Then the next step, Start Animation, is that, you know, you want to start the close. Now, in the close, you want to, you know, you do want to be like, are we ready to purchase this today? Or, you know, you want to have some type of finality. Now, let, let me go back a little bit. If the person say, I'm sold, let's wrap it up, stop selling. Because they're already, they're already ready to buy. They're already ready to close the deal. You don't want to start talking anymore because they've already said they're they're ready to buy. Because what a lot, what happens a lot is that you want to start, you know, adding more value, start throwing stuff in, and you know, and so you start losing on margins or whatever the case may be. So you know, at that point, you want to stop talking. At the very least, you want to stop selling, okay? Because they're already sold. There's no need to keep selling them on something that's already sold, okay? But let's say they don't get to that point and they have a few concerns you'll find this in the closing piece okay so you want to address any concerns like what concerns you about this product address with the benefit or result okay 
Don't address it with the feature. You want to address the 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 the, uh, the concerns with the benefit or result. You're reaffirming, you know, that it's a great fit for that needs assessment that we talked about earlier. So, you know, you address the concern and then you say, hey, you know, are we ready to move forward with the purchase today or something on that regard, right? So remember, that part of the close is critical, okay? Addressing the concerns because the thing is, you the customer wants to feel that you're listening to them. Okay, they really want to feel that you're listening to them. So be mindful of that. Now, once they purchase and, you know, they, you ring them up and you say, thank you for your purchase today. I really think you made a great purchase. Is there any other? That's another thing in the close. Remind them that they made a great purchase. Remind them that they made a great choice and tell them why they made that great choice. That's not the end, Startup Nation. Just because they just purchased the product or service, that's not it. Your, your work's not over. You want to do a follow up. OK, we mentioned in the last episode, Ace in the interview, like when you follow up, the, follow up with the interviewer that uh, you want them to know, uh, you know that you appreciate their time. This and the other you want to do the same thing with that customer. You want to send them, you know, maybe an email, send them a handwritten note or, you know, this and the other. I know one thing that I would suggest to the entrepreneur and to the nine to five seller, if you can do this, this is my approach right after they purchase the product or service. I'll send them a direct email. I have some templated email to all I have to do is just like plug in their name, pretty general, pretty standard, and send it right then, some like within the next 24 hours. Within the same hour if you can, but definitely within the next 24 hours. Send them an email. Follow up in two weeks with an email or a handwritten note. Once again, thanking them for their purchase and see how the purchase is going. Is it working out that, you know, the way that they suggested, you know, this and the other, right? You want to follow up with them when you're talking about selling. Because like I said, once you ring up the product or service, that's not it. After two weeks, you want to, you know, maybe reach out to them maybe two months after that. Okay. Once again, just checking in. And this has to be very long and detailed. Just once again, checking in, see how everything worked. Now, if you have some type of accessory piece to follow up with that sale or some new sale coming up, Kind of re, you know, blurb it out a little bit in the email or the handwritten note. Probably email is best, but you know, blurb it out a little bit. Let them know that you know you're still willing to fight for their service, fight for their business, that and the other. And people, like I said, people, you know, love to be catered to, right? So if you if they if you t let them know that, they'll appreciate that. Okay. Also, you know, if you want to think about maybe you know sending a birthday card you know if you're able to capture email address in a in a date of birth you know send them a birthday card you know set it in your calendar that you know uh you know such such birthdays coming up like hey this is Dominic's widgets thank you for your purchase just wanted to say happy birthday you know if you ever need you know our services again please feel free to reach out to us okay so that's the follow up my friends so just to kind of recap okay step 1 know your product or service okay this is part of the pre-work. Step two, also part of the pre-work, know the customer. You'll have after a while, you'll start to have a general idea of what that customer is. The next step, step three, the approach. You know, the proper, you know, welcome, you know, to Dominic's widgets, this that, and the other, right? The next step is the needs assessment. You're asking those fact-finding questions to make sure you properly you know, matching your product or service to what they need or want. You're not selling anything just yet, but you're asking those fact-finding questions to see what matches up to what they're needing want. Connect those puzzle pieces, if you will. You're trying to make those connections in your head so that way you're starting to gather your presentation. And then the next thing, the next step, 
the actual presentation. This is where, you know, you start to say, Mr. Customer, you said that you were looking for something that saves you time. Mr. Customer, you were saying that you were looking for something that saves you money. Mr. Customer, you were saying there was something that you was, you know, give, trying to give you peace of mind. Did I hear you correctly? Okay. So what I offer is, you know, product A. Product A allows you to set this so you don't have to worry about it. And then in the end result, you don't have to worry about that ever again. It's already done. It's already taken care of. And you can move on to you know do something else. Because I understand, Mr. Customer, your time is very valuable. And so this product A can allow you to have that peace of mind and saves you time as well. And so that's where you start to have that presentation where you start to present the actual product or service in order to you know help that customer out and what they're looking for and then the next step is the actual close okay you ask that hey you know do you think this product a will meet all your needs that you're looking for and if they say yes good to go you remind them that it was an excellent choice that they made and you move about their day now if they say that well i have a few questions these are probably some of the concerns that they have this is where you want to kind of address those concerns and reaffirm or, you know, you know, convince the customer like, you know, I understand that you're worried about this, but I think product A will allow you, you know, will address the concern in this way. Product A will address that concern in that way. And then, you, you know, and once they say, OK, I think I'm OK. And then you move on, ring up the sale and you're good to go. Right. And then the very last step is the actual follow up. You want to follow up with them if you want to do the two day, two week, two month approach or the, you know, send the email within the first hour, 24 hours. That's fine. Whatever you decide to do, email, uh, if it's a handwritten note or phone call, however you decide to do that approach, you want to make that follow up and remind them that it was you that helped them with that customer. It was you that solved the problem for them. It was you that made them feel comfortable and making them feel informed about making a great purchasing decision. OK, so keep that in mind, Startup Nation. When you're selling, you're not a salesperson. You're a person trying to help your consumer or your customer base. OK, you're you're helping them fulfill a need or a want. You're helping them to solve a problem. OK, so I understand that, you know, you don't want to come off as pushy and I totally understand. But look at it as less of a salesperson and, and more as a person who's trying to help their customer. So here's my final take. I know today's episode was a lot to unpack and I hope you understood a lot of it. But the thing is about selling is that, like I just said, it's really all about helping somebody. It's really all about making sure that that person is informed and knowledgeable as possible to make the great purchasing decision. I know we don't like rejection and that's a big fear. But once again, N-O is an acronym for next opportunity or new opportunity. Don't focus on the no. Focus on why we got the no. And what I mean is just go back, replay the conversation in your head, and then understand that in this particular instance, we can probably do this a little better. We can tweak this here, tweak that there. Okay. And then also, like I said, building that relationship, building that rapport. People buy from people that they trust. It's that simple. People buy from people that they know. Now, granted, you got to kind of get to know on the fly sometimes. But if you get to know them enough, they'll begin to trust you, you know, and they'll begin to open up to you a little bit. And the thing is, you want them to make them feel informed. You don't want to make them feel stupid. You don't want to come off as condescending. That's a bad look, Startup Nation. You want to make sure that they feel informed, that they feel open, they feel trans that, that you're being transparent and that you're there to help them. Also, 
Remember those um, those benefit statements, saves money, saves time, security, you know, like going back to com- the computer scenario. Right. You know, security is a big thing when you're talking about this, this era of being hacked and hacktivists and this and the other, just, you know, hackers don't just uh, hack Fortune 500 companies. They hack small companies, too. So if you, you know, use those type of benefit statements, you know, that can be huge in your sales game. Once again, the feature is the attribute of the product or service. The benefit, a language that makes them feel comfortable to why they need this. And the result is the reminder as to why they're making a great purchasing decision. And also, like I said, there's a lot of myths out there about selling and I get it. But the thing is, a lot of times those myths are very outdated and they come from a place of not necessarily ignorance, but they come from a place of, of staying stagnant and not evolving because maybe, you know, it was very easy to just sell people on the same type of thing all the time or understand that, you know, the product sells itself. But in this day and age, the consumer is as smart as they've ever been. And so, like I said, they can fact check bullshit at a moment's notice. Startup Nation, I feel that if you follow these steps and I like I said, there was a lot to unpack here in this episode. This one, probably the ep- longest episode I've done by myself, right? That I'm not going to break up because I think it's important. If you follow these steps and you conquer those fears and you follow the steps and you understand benefit statements and use those benefit statements to your advantage, I guarantee you, you will come to a place where you know that selling is not scary. So that's going to do it for today's episode. I really hope you got great value from today's episode. Look, I get it. Selling is one of those things where not everybody feels comfortable with it. I get it. But I really feel like if you do a lot of your work on the front end and you get that professional development and you get, you know, a few reps in where you practice this and the other, maybe even sell yourself in the mirror like we mentioned in the previous episode, I really think you can make an impact in your sales numbers. If you want to let us know what you think about the show or would like to advertise on our show, send us an email using the address in the show notes. Subscribe to The Startup Life as it can now be heard on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.